Listeners, don't forget to submit your choices for the first ever all-time podcast listeners poll. These are your bragging rights to say you were with us since day one and the occasion to let us know about the music that impacted you the most throughout the course of the decade. Send us your lists on Instagram, drop them right in our inbox. We'll be sure to keep an eye on that. Uh, Let us know if you want us to share the lists as well, but we plan on keeping it anonymous until the big reveal early in the new year. Uh, What we want from you are the 10 best albums of the decade, 10 best songs of the decade, the most overrated album of the decade, the most underrated album of the decade, the artist of the decade. Only one artist, that is, so your favorite artist of the decade. This is the All Time Podcast Season 2, recapping the best of the decade. We thank you very much for being here. Episode 7, 2016. Big, 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 big year. Are you ready? I'm ready. So let's do it. Right into it. Um, how are you, by the way? I'm doing good. We never ask each other how we are. We just get right into it. It feels like we just don't care about each other. Well, we do it off the air. It's true. Good call. <laughs> but I think sometimes the, the listeners want to know how we are. I'm doing fantastic. A solid 10 on 10, except for the savage rain, but... Well, I'm doing very well, but the house is upside down. Yep. Redoing but, uh, the kitchen after redoing. But I love studio. recording here. It, it's it's better vibe. I just love being here. It's just fun. I feel like we're more into it. and It's nice. Good. Yeah, for sure. It's, I guess, the all-time home. Yep. <laughs> I mean, right now we're doing it in the same room that we usually do it. But instead of recording off the desk, we usually record. We got a kitchen table also in here. It's crammed. It's You got to keep bringing the kitchen table. I like it. It's more spacious. Might as well make this the kitchen. Well, we're going to be recording for about three hours tonight because we have a fuck ton of shit to talk about. Massive episode. Um, before we start with the 2016 content, Complex put out another list. Nice. I love lists. It was like, I love ripping them. So it was the best rappers of the decade in their 20s oh yeah i saw that the fuck but they're they're definitely bored like that should have been just an extension of the best rappers of the decade list but they needed to do one for in their 20s they also posted on their instagram account was a a map of gta 5 okay and they said if you know what this is you're a real one or something like that Okay. I feel like they don't know what to be anymore. No, they think they just throw things out and mm. just fucking try and be popular and stay relevant. I know that somebody came out with the most influential artist of the 21st century. And who was it? Young Doug. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
well, who did that? I don't know. I saw it. I was scrolling up and down, and I was just like, I'm not going to go click on it. <laughs> I understand probably why they said it, but at the same time, no. There's way more. There's other ones, but it's fine. It's cool. Whatever. We've got way too much to talk about today. Where are we, where are we starting? As usual. First great album of the decade. Really quick, too, huh? January 8th, 2016, David Bowie releases his 25th studio album, Black Star. An odd album when you first listen to it. Something very gloomy, something very different from because he had released the next day a couple of years ago, a couple of years prior to this, which was kind of a typical Bowie, what he was doing in the 2000s. But Black Star was weird. It was dark. It was gloomy. Something was up. We know why it was dark. So January 8th, the album comes out. And on January 10th, he died. That was big. That was huge. I'll never forget that morning. I woke up to text messages from all our friends who don't even listen to music. Did I text you? You may have. It was it was odd for me because I'm I've been a fan since very young. That's true. And hearing this album and not quite knowing how to feel and wanting to um dig into it more before having an opinion on it, it was saddening to know that he was saying goodbye, but so impressive the way he did it. Releasing this type of a record to to close off, not just his career but his life. It was calculated. Extremely calculated. Like he knew he was he was gonna die. Yeah. On the Sunday or the Monday. Right, and even the music video that was released for the song Lazarus was very suggestive of that. But people kind of saw past it. People saw more of the artist. Bowie's trying to say something, but what could he be trying to say? And finally. That's what it was. What a fucking great artist, though. Honestly, that like I said to you, that morning, seeing the messages from people that don't even listen to music, but knowing how much I cared, just speaks the impact of Bowie. People knew who this guy was. People knew of his influence. People knew how into him people were. And Influential. The guy yeah, was fucking... Yeah, for sure. The most influential, possibly. Yeah, and whether you listen to rap, you listen to indie, you listen to jazz. This album was very jazzy, actually. Like, the, the guy touched on everything. Yep. He influenced many people. Yeah, big time. Um, I remember getting out of bed and not knowing what to do. I remember walking to the front door and then being like, no, this is not somebody I know. Like, I don't have to be anywhere. No, but... So I just sat down and, and soaked it in. And um, it was weird. Because artists die, especially in 2016, we're going to cover a lot of them. This is probably the year where we lost a lot of great artists. Yep. But I remember like like when, when Michael Jackson died and when other people died, people were so affected by it and I couldn't see the... We're, we're in love with people's art. We're in love with that stuff. Like we follow it and we 
we really soak it in, we abuse of it, but it's weird to say that like somebody you don't know had that effect on your life when they left. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's like we live for their music. We mm -hmm. want their content. Yeah. We're fans. Yeah. Like I said, we abuse of their, of their material. We like, we, yeah. The, like there's people that are, are fans of sports. Mm -hmm. People that are insane, insane fans of certain hockey players, football players, and they make an impact on their life. Yep. This is what it is for us with music. It's we're gonna we're allowed to be sad. We're allowed to feel down. We're allowed to cry. They influenced us. We probably wouldn't be sitting down here if we didn't like music. If you didn't like David Bowie, you probably wouldn't be sitting down here. Since saying that you listened to him at a young age. Yeah. So like we're allowed to feel a certain way, and it sucks because when you look at it, unless you have two hundred songs, three hundred songs in the vault, mm -hmm. then what's what else there's nothing else you know what i mean yeah like it's crazy when you think of it it's crazy because there's no music after and, exactly and when people play around with it like when when like like hip-hop yes you go in the studio you record six thousand verses so when you pass away you'll have somebody that plays with the music and they'll right. make a song exactly and stuff like that and is it authentic yes and no it depends right but Like, like, what's next? You think of it. What's next? Mm -hmm. Where the fuck is the music? I want music. This that's is what I, I, I keep wanting David Bowie music. This Where is, is the, it? Yeah. So that's this is also the thing. Once Blackstar released and made some noise after he died, it was very quick for people to start talking about like what what's left. Like, what could we go get? And Bowie had, like I said, 25 albums, a handful of live albums, compilations, things like that. But once he died, there was an abundance of live material that started surfacing. Live albums started coming out. Box sets that broke up his career into certain eras. That's cool. I like box sets like that. It's very cool. But what I found was a, an artist like Bowie, who especially when he released the next day, hadn't released anything since I believe 2002-2003. This is a guy that's super selective in what he releases. There's no music unless it needs to be there. An artist. And the live stuff, the the, the box sets, the, the unreleased tracks, all that stuff. Something about me and my listening to Bowie. I'll always listen to his catalog. The 25 albums, well, minus the bad stuff, but it ended there. With this album saying goodbye was almost like a way of saying like, I don't have control of what's next. No. But this is where, this is goodbye. And I think these, not to cut you off, but like when people come out with like the live and the B-sides and remastered after somebody passes away to me is they know what's going to sell. For sure. Like, uh, yeah, like I'm going to be honest with you and you could probably agree with me. I don't need a live album. The live stuff is very good, but I, I agree that if it, like, I felt that if it's not there, it wasn't supposed to be. Exactly. If it wasn't there before when he had control of that, it wasn't supposed to be. There were albums, full full albums that surfaced that he didn't put out. No. So, sure, I totally, I totally understand and respect the people that, that want that to go see, like, hey, let's go deeper into, like, what we weren't supposed to hear. 
But for somebody who invests so much time and so much thought into their work, I drew the line at Blackstar. I'm not gonna. The box sets are cool. If I get, if I'm lucky enough to own them one day, sure. But I don't know that I'll um, dive in to the new stuff, the unreleased stuff, if it wasn't there before he went. Well, if it was tampered with, played around with, yeah, and he wasn't there for that. I yeah. Then there's like there's no point. That's it. You know what I mean? It's like Srivan next. Exactly. Yeah. On to the next one. Um, other massive deaths in 2016 because this really was a year of massive deaths. It was sad, huh? It was crazy. It's like every every other day somebody that had an importance was gone. And one, once we talk about the other ones that passed, I'm gonna say a comment. Sure. Let's do it real quick. Yeah. Being from Montreal, we can't skip over Leonard Cohen late in the year. Yep, that was a. Uh, I remember that night too. Yeah, that was strange because it had it was it was kind of coming out that he had died maybe a, a couple of days before the news broke. Yeah. And he had an album also that either just came out or was about to come out. I think it was about to come out. Yeah. Oh wait. It was it was about to come out. Yeah. Yeah. It was announced, it had a date and everything. And uh yeah. It was weird because this happened his album came out at the end of the year. Yeah. And I remember speaking to somebody at work back when I was still there and I had made a comment I'm like this is this is weird that he's putting this out too this year he's like I I had I, I said that and the person's like oh, you, you're done like I was right yeah Prince died this year yeah 2016 Prince Jesus Christ huh? that was a surprising one Cohen that one was interesting yeah and the Prince one was odd because the news broke that somebody on his property died okay and they weren't confirming that it was him just yet. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, and finally it was. And Prince's death was a lot. Cohen's not so much because it's a very particular type of music. It's very poetic, and but Prince's music had a massive revival after his death, kind of like Bowie, maybe more than Bowie even. Oh yeah, people. People. It's like, and I'm gonna jump into my comment real quick. It's like people forget about these artists. Yeah. And then they pass away. And then it's just like, oh, well, fuck. Let's go buy all their catalog. Let's get back into them. Let's just. It's like, it's kind of like a trend to go back and listen to these guys. Yeah. But when there's like a lot of the fans, a lot of the people that like Prince, because Prince came out with albums all the time. Always. It's just that it's like. There's a trend. Okay, let's go listen to the people that died. Let's go get all their albums because they died. It's like, it's it, to me, it, it doesn't make sense. It's also, though, how you immortalize these people, though. Yeah. And somebody like Prince, though, I can understand because the catalog is pretty deep as well. So where to start, what to listen to. You've You've certainly heard songs in passing, but you remember... Music is music is something that you um, you associate it to memories, right? A hundred percent. So in a way, like to me, the Bowie memories are not when he died, but to somebody they will be. Yes. I remember when David Bowie died. Example, my parents were saddened by it. They showed me this album when he died. It becomes a thing from that. Or like it was everywhere in the press. You jump into it for that. Yeah. 
just say like everyone was talking about this guy I never heard. I listened to this album and it changed my life. Things like that happen. Prince for me is a funny way that I got into, well, that I not got into Prince, but I remember my father having a copy of Purple Rain. Classic. And thinking, I was very young and again, being young and into punk and loud music, looking at this album Purple Rain and being like, that's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, first time I heard Purple Rain properly, I guess I'm the weird one now. Yep. But it's cool like that you reminisce nostalgia and you're like, oh, fuck, he died. I'm going to go back and listen to all his albums. I own them. I was a fan. Mm. But then it's just like, there's the ones that just like, ah, oh, fuck, it's the end of the world. Uh, I listened to only one album. Let me go buy everything else that didn't follow them. I find it I, like it doesn't bother me, but it's like, where were you? Like, where were you for all those years that this artist kept putting out great, good, incredible work? Where were you? Well, you got to look, there's a way to do it, too. If you yes. get into it following the death and are very much aware of that and not I what I what bothers me a bit more is when people get into artists after the death and need to play up to having liked them before when you didn't. That's what annoys me. Yeah. Don't do that. If you got into it, if you got it, look, there's Prince albums I bought after he died. I didn't care for 1999. I didn't care for certain albums. I got them around the world in a day. I didn't, I didn't like those albums. I think they're fine albums, but I got deeper in the catalog after he died. Say like there's, there's a bit more to, that I should be paying attention to, but I'm aware of that. And I'll never say I loved Prince. And I love this his entire catalog before he died. It's false. We had this conversation when, um, what's his name from Beastie Boys passed away. Yes. We had this conversation. Yeah. yeah. I remember we were together. We went to Simon's. I don't know what the hell we were looking at Simon's, but we were asking ourselves, are we going to go buy all the albums now? Well, we knew a handful. Yes. Well, not, maybe not a handful, but we knew a couple. But are we going to go run to the store? Let's make sure we buy all the Beastie Boys albums because he just passed away. No. Oh, but they passed. were on sale, so I picked yes. up a few. But are we going to start a full thing of, oh, we're going to listen to Beastie Boys for the next two months because he passed away? Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. we were like, no, he passed away. It sucks. We're, yeah. we're fans of Beastie Boys albums. We're going to reminisce, go listen to our favorites, but we're not going to just go nuts because he passed away. Yeah. Where... They pass away and people are just like, oh, it's a trend. It's a bandwagon. I'm going to jump on it. Right. It just, there's more to the music. There's more to the artist. Mm -hmm. There's a respect factor too for these people who put out music. Exactly, yeah. And people that, like, when Tupac and Biggie died, I was six years old, five years old. My parents weren't listening to Tupac and Biggie. No, no. It wasn't. So as I got older, I got into them myself. Yeah, but that's different. I mean, you were you were what, eight at most when they died? Like no, well, ninety six, ninety seven. I was yes, yeah, I was, five, uh, six, seven years old, something like that. I was six, seven. Like we weren't listening. No, to no, that. no. I mean, look, it's not. Yeah, it's fine to like things after people, like, 
And there's a money factor with everything too, because these artists die and yeah. their CDs sell like crazy. That's why I drew the line at Black Star for Boy, yeah. There you go. But look at it as three very influential, very big artists that passed away in the same year. Yep. Like different genres of music. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah, but what was so weird about the Bowie and Prince dying in the same year for me was how when Bowie died, I think as a person, you don't really think about when Bowie died, it was surreal. In my eyes, that was somebody who would never die. Yeah. And that Prince died in the same year was somebody that would never die. By the way, it's weird. By the way, Prince owned all his masters. Yeah. All his masters. He didn't want to record with Nas because Nas didn't own his masters. Prince has plenty of stories. Prince, Prince, uh, Prince and Damon Albarn didn't collaborate because Damon Albarn wasn't allowed to smoke in the studio. <laughs> Prince had Prince laid down the law. It was Prince's way or, or the highway. Prince used to levitate in rooms. He wouldn't walk into them. I've heard like about three to four stories of when Prince would come to the studio or in a room, he would levitate into the room. He wouldn't walk into it. Now. How much do I do of that? Do I believe? I would say nine on ten. Prince stories are great. If you aren't into them yet, Purple Rain, um, Sign of the Times, nineteen ninety nine. People would say. I think that Dirty Mind, one of his earliest albums, is up there with Sign of the Times, Purple Rain. But other people would say nineteen ninety nine was the Third classic. The Batman soundtrack. Yes. Yes. All right. More death to talk about. Yeah. Who else died? In season one, you found out we were huge fans of A Tribe Called Quest. There was no doubt about that. Putting Midnight Marauders and Low and Theory on our top 100. I had Midnight Marauders in my top, in my personal top 10. Yeah. Did you have any other albums in your personal top 10? I forget. No, but I would say top 15, top 20. So in March, Five Dog. Passes away. Yeah. Diabetes, complications to diabetes. Surprising loss. Yep. Because we didn't know much about, we we didn't know much about what was going on with Tribe after the documentary. No, because the documentary was like a big, like, punch in the face. He was, you saw in the documentary that he kept going to hospitals. Yeah, he was unwell, yeah. Yeah, diabetes. Do you remember when we watched that documentary together, what I said at the end? No. At the end, there's the quotes on screen. And the la- one of the last things that reads is a tribe called Quest still have one album under their contract oh, or something. okay. And I told you, this is, there's something going on. Yeah, because they this signed. This documentary came out for a reason. They signed for a lot right. of albums. Because back in the day, yeah. the, people would just sign contracts yeah. for long albums. Right. But the way they plugged that, I remember telling you, like, they're saying something without saying it. It's not done yet. But the documentary came out like, what, five to ten years before? It came out. I think 2007, eight, nine. It came out in. Yours is still wrapped? I never opened it. 2011. 2011. Fuck, I was totally off. By the way, my son threw that down the stairs one day. The disc is completely scratched. 
Sell you mine for 30 bucks. Cool. But uh, yeah, so your comment, Fife passes away in March. What comes out after? They remastered uh, the first album, People's Instinctive Paths. I don't know the whole something, thing. Something, something. Not my favorite. But. Very underrated in their catalog. Very underrated, yeah. It looked like they were going to go ahead and re-release Low End Midnight Marauders at Which least. Which I wish I they know, did. That amazing. If they remastered that shit and it sounded as good as People's. Yeah. But they went a different direction. They tackled uh, some new material before Fife had to go. And it said that they were in the studio recording this album. Like it was going to come out. Mm-hmm. But he passed away. So a bit more work had to be put onto the album. The album came out when? June? End of year, I think November. Yeah? Pretty sure. And it came out and it came out like not as a surprise but more of like a in two weeks one week we're releasing this album what's it called it was called thank you for your service well we've got it from here we've got it from here yeah thank you we got it from here thank you for your service that's right i did not know what to expect from this album i was just like november 26 what what's what's gonna come from this album is it that trend where you die, let's put his verses that he recorded 10 years ago onto new songs, let's dig in deeper. And it was all recorded in like two, three years span, I think. And then they just fix it up, Q-Tip fix it up, Q-Tip being a genius that he is, fixed up the album, album comes out, the cover art was amazing. The featuring's came out with the track listing. Yep. And that made me... Well, what's the first name that, that you drew attention to? On the featuring? Yeah. Andre 3000. Okay. Oh, not for me, but okay. Who was it for you? Buster Rhymes. Oh, yes. Because we know how well he works with them. And yes. we've discussed how well he works with them. But Buster Rhymes was the, the perfect fit. Oh, yeah. But... but, but Buster Rhymes is also scary nowadays when he's going to put something out, right? You don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah. So. Because he's a lost case. But when you see an Andre 3000 on a Tribe featuring, when you see a Kendrick Lamar on a Tribe featuring. When you see Jack White. On a Tribe featuring, you're like, what are we going to expect from this? Wasn't Anderson Pack on it too? Mm, yeah, I think he was on it. Which the- is like... It's it's mind blowing because you don't know what to expect. You have no idea mm. what you're gonna hear. What what's the beats? How are they gonna fit? These guys have stamped hip hop. They've changed the hip hop game. They've mastered it, and they go and get some of the greats. Andre three thousand being from Atlanta, outcast. Kendrick Lamar being from Compton, West Side. Like, how was it gonna fit? I wasn't too worried about how well it was going to fit because, I mean, it's Tribe. Like, they're, they've got it together. Like, they've got it from here. They said it. I, there's, there's, it would have been harder for, it would have been hard for them to disappoint, I think. 
Yeah. Because I don't think they would have just come around to throw out an album. But they did do that with the love movement and a bit of Beats, Rhymes, and Life. They weren't in the right, right space. But as, as they explained in the documentary a bit, they were not in the right space. They were trying to get rid of that contract and, you know, it. they put out bad material. Just genius album. Great album. This album now you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, it was um, really good. Another farewell, like Bowie. Another farewell. And the the featurings fit perfectly. Unfortunately, it's a farewell for the entire group. Q-Tip will probably at some point do more music. I know well, he he's always kind of... Yeah. He worked with Danny Brown on Danny Brown's album. You know what I'm saying? This year, in 2019. But Q-Tip's always kind of doing shit, so... But you can't have another Tribe album without Fife. No, no, no. That's Makes a, no sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a, but, but again, it was more of a treat because we didn't think there would have been one to begin with. Yeah. Even though, like I said, like I had a feeling from the from the documentary, there was no proof that it was going to happen until it happened. So. A good. It, 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 that was a fucking treat. Like you, you're saying treat, and I was just like November, 2016 is already fucking fantastic. Here's a tribe album towards the end of the year, like. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty yeah. It was not expe- It was not. 2016 was huge the way it was when in November Tribe announced an album. It was like, hmm. I was like, okay. Honestly, my first in, my, my first reaction to it was like, well, it, it might not be good. And if it's not good, I'm going to go right over it. Like I did with Dre at First Compton the year before. I thought I was going to skip right over this album. For Tribe? Yeah, because... It's rare that like like now today I'm saying like it's it, they wouldn't have put it out for nothing but when you come back around a bit unannounced and just kind of it 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 sounded rushed the promotion leading up to it sounded rushed today we know that it's a great album and it's and it's not something to skip over by any means but it felt it felt like there was something lacking unfinished maybe that like or like we said, five pass at the beginning of the year. Are they just trying to put something out so his stuff isn't wasted? You know what I mean? Like, but no, it was it was really well done. Props I to them. Corrected. Rest in peace, Five Dog. What's next? Well, we did all the passing. <laughs> yep, that's done. Thank you. Let's take a break. We're back. We're going to rewind a bit before we get on the next topic. Okay. We're going to go back two years to 2014. Because the Yeezus tour is going to come to a grinding halt. Because Kanye's got to finish his next album. Okay. Okay. Great tour, by the way. It felt very imminent when he canceled the the Yeezus tour that something new was coming out. Um, because he canceled the tour, I believe it was in the fall. And he speculated after Yeezus came out that the next album was going to come out in the fall of 2014. And All Day leaked in 2014, a demo for a rough, it was a rough version of 20 of, of All Day that leaked. 
Um, he did an event in Paris with The Office London and played a full album. And in December 2014, he rapped the whole album to Seth Rogen. He rapped the album to Seth Rogen. His whole new album to Seth Rogen. A cappella? I would assume. <laughs> okay. January 1st, 2015, we're at your condo listening to Only One. Single for his okay. new album. Uh, the 29th of January, we got the, the official music video of Only One. Never watched it. January 29th, 2015. Uh, four or five seconds came out in February 2015 with Rihanna and Paul McCartney. So, so things are moving. That's three songs. Yeah. Now the Adidas commotion begins in February 2015. Um, we're going to stick to the music though, not the clothes. Yeezy season one, February 2015. Wolves is debuted. Great song. Performs it on SNL. Great song. And I think within a week, performs all day at the Brit Awards in February 2015. Yep, as well. I remember that with the fire and the flamethrowers. Yeah, insane. <laughs> to close off February... We get an album title, So Help Me God. May 2015, it's going to be called Swish now. <laughs> We're not calling it So Help Me God. And this is because of something he referenced in March 2015. He said Swish in a tweet. I like that name. Though. That's the album name. Yeezy Season 2 is announced and takes place in September 2015. We hear the song Fade for the first time. Great song. October 2015, Say You Will remix from 808s and Heartbreak. <laughs> so, December 2015, Swish is almost complete. New Year's Eve, we get the song Facts. Don't easy, remember. easy, easy, just jumped over Jumpman. Okay, yeah, yeah. So now it's a year or more we're waiting. Yep. January 2016, Real Friends single, No More Party Snippet. Better. Swish, release date announced for February 11, 2016. By him, by the man himself. This is Babo that found Jesus, right? No More Parties also drops the full version. Okay? Better. January 25th, 2016. The full Swish tracklist is out. And he tweets, so happy to be finished with the best album of all time. <laughs> so it's finally happening. We're finally going to get this. January 27. Album title changes to Waves. Tracklist updated. <laughs> February 2016. Easy Season 3 is announced and sells out Madison Square Garden. He's going to play Waves in its entirety to a sold-out crowd. Free Max Beat. Album title change again. Yep. T-L-O-P. Speculation. What does it mean? What is he, what is he trying to say? February 11th. This is when the album's supposed to come out. The Life of Pablo. Hmm. Who's Pablo. The tracklist is revealed with the artwork shortly after. Madison Square Garden 
occurs, the, the event, the yeah. Easy Season 3, but only partially the album is revealed. The following day, Good Friday's return. <laughs> 30 hours, the track. Better. Remember Good Friday's from Beautiful Dark? Yep. Tracklist updated again for for Life of Pablo. New songs are added. Guess what songs? The Good Friday songs. You remember when yeah. he did that for Beautiful Dark as well? Blames Chance the Rapper for delaying the album. <laughs> because Chance wanted waves on the album. To me, if the greatest album of all time was called Waves, there's a good chance Waves was on the album to begin with. Yeah. So I don't know why I had to go back and work yeah, on the yeah. song again. February 14, 2016. He performs Ultralight Beam and Highlights on SNL and finally announces his album is out on Tidal exclusively right now. Sign up to Tidal. No album. <laughs> we did the same. Uh, Caitlin and me did the exact same fucking thing. A few hours later, it appears. Yep. Now, February 2016, later in the month, the album's not finished. Still. We're supposed to get a track with Kendrick and Young Thug. Same track? Or extra? Same tracks. Okay. Never sees the light of day. New demos start leaking. The original Wolves with Sia and Vic Mensa and other unreleased songs that aren't on the album start leaking. And then there seems to be no final day in sight for when the album's going to be complete, right? Kanye starts teasing a new track with Drake and Future. Remember Drake and Future yeah. from our 2015 episode? They yeah. were hot in 2015. He's trying to get them on the album. Never heard that song either. Probably never never was made. I, I wouldn't doubt that. February 22nd. Music video leaks for all day. And I feel like... <laughs> I feel like Pablo, I'm guessing. Now, the following day, new track alert. February 23rd, track called The Closest Thing to Einstein Drops, or Leaks, or whatever. At this point, I'm lost, huh? The following day, February 24th, new album, summer 2016. Because we made the fans wait too long, we're going to give them two albums this year. That album would be TurboGrafx-16. March 7th of 2016. Kanye announces he's never releasing CDs again, only streaming albums. That fucking pissed me off. March 13th, he changes the song Famous featuring Rihanna on The Life of Pablo. Specifically, she'd be Puerto Rican Day Parade waving becomes she in school to be a real estate agent. And he changed the mix a bit. And he says Pablo's going to be a living, breathing experience. So he's going to keep changing the album. He confirms this to us. March 16th, Wolves is changed. Frank's out. Frank was on the original release. Yeah. Sia, Vic Mensa are back in. Frank gets his own track called Frank's Track. Yep. March 21st, new song released called St. Pablo with Sanfa. March 31st, patch notes come out. Like updating a software, patch <laughs> notes. 
come out to what should be the final change of the album. And the album finally comes out on Spotify, Apple Music. June 14th, 2016, St. Pablo Tour is announced. The final update is done, adding St. Pablo to the very end of the track list. I have a headache, number one. Number two, a little inside info. The reason why he changed it from Waves to Life of Pablo, I think, was because he was getting a lot of flack that Waves wasn't his word. People were... Oh, yeah, because... Um, right. And people were giving him shit with Khalifa. Khalifa. He had a beef with Wiz Khalifa. Wiz Khalifa gave him shit. A bunch of artists gave him shit. Uh, fans were giving him shit because Waves was a word created by Max B, who's incarcerated for I have no idea how long. And then there's the track on Life of Pablo where Max B calls him up from prison. That was added as well. Yeah. There was a, there was a, there was a bunch of tracks, like the Good Friday tracks. That was one of the ones that got added after Wolves. Yeah. So a good, what, three, four months after the two years of nonsense? Four months, February to June of updating. And we still don't own it in our catalog no. as a CD. No. Apologies if any of my dates were off. I think I did a pretty good job no, of bringing everyone point. up to date, but could be off by a day or two. So am I asking you the question or are you asking me the question? Well, I asked you after Jesus, so you could ask me now. Is this Kanye's last great album? Well, my answer will be Jesus was his last great album. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because we've speculated about Kanye for a long time that he puts out unfinished work that just so happens to get praise and reach classic status. I don't think this reaches classic status. I think it's very rough around the edges. All that said, I'd give it a good solid 8, 8.5 on 10. But to me, great is, is a 9 and up. Now look, I've always said about this album since it came out and I spoke to you about it and you disagree with me. When you evaluate an album, bonus tracks are not part of the final score. Unfortunately. Okay. This album, it is not clear and where it ends. Yeah. To me, the last track on the album is Frank's track. The Max B interlude, Silver Surfer interlude, yeah. is the first bonus track. Now why? At the end of 30 hours... Kanye West says, check it out. This is the bonus track. This is the bonus. My favorite albums just have like bonus joints <laughs> like this. Okay. So. So to me, 30 hours of being the Good Friday track that he then tacked on to the end of the album. is bonus. With no parties, with fade, with facts, with the later album, the later added St. Pablo are bonus tracks. How many songs are we in on this album? 18, 19, 20, 21? Is it not 21? Does this, not, 21. does this album not have 21 tracks? I think it was 19 or 20. But 
we're, he's adding songs over and over and over again. So to me, an album, an album starts somewhere and ends somewhere. And everything up until track 14, closing off Frank's track to me, is the album. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20 tracks on this are bonus tracks. If you ask me. And the reason I say that also is because they're songs that don't sound like they fit with the body before Wolves. You're right. But it flows. I find after the interlude, it's very much just throwaway tracks. Not, but not throwaway. What I say by throwaway is not in a bad way. They're they're amazing tracks. Thirty hours, no more parties in LA. Fade, Saint Pablo, amazing tracks. I don't like facts at all. But they're not songs that need to be in a body with the rest. They don't fit with the rest. Wolves, Frank's outro to Wolves to me is the end of Life of Pablo. And 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 Silver and Silver Surfer Interlude is the beginning of bonus material. I find he really did I like okay. I agree with you where the album should end. But does it? That's the thing. We don't to know. me it does. But the, my favorite albums had bonus joints like this. He's telling you these are the extras now, but He's adding to the end of it. People are still evaluating the 20 songs as the album. And it shouldn't be that confusing to listen to an album. The thing is, is we don't have the physical copy to tell us in the back of the CD that these are bonus songs. We, well, it, it didn't even, it wouldn't need to be written there, would it? Well, there's, there's a couple of ways that you put out music. You put out two versions, deluxe and regular. You could put out a second disc. You could do a bunch of stuff to tell you that these are bonuses. Look at Kendrick or Good Kid, Mad City. There's the regular version. Then there's the second version that has the bonus disc with four or five songs. Then there was the reissue with the bonus four or five songs and the remix with Jay-Z. Like, people are telling you what bonus songs are. This guy is not telling you except for that lyric on the song. So it starts off with that song. I'm guessing. Or he had no idea. He said that in his rhymes, and he just completely forgot about it. That's all Maybe. possible. It's all possible. Maybe. See, to me, if you would have ended the song at at, at uh, Frank's track, and maybe added the Saint Pablo song right after, just to wrap it up, that could have worked. But everything after just does not fit in with what's before Wolves to me. N no, but it's like a not like a greatest hit hits, but like a. It's a greatest hits of his last two years because he's yeah. fucking dragging work around. But even at that, all day is not there. Only one's not there. Four or five seconds isn't like all these songs become like just songs that disappear. To me, it's more of the. I'm gonna put these songs on there because I'm going back to the basics with my sound, which he did on those bonus. He did quote unquote bonus songs. He did. He did. He did. So it's like you want look at look at the song, I miss the old Kanye. That, that that interlude, quote-unquote, yeah. song, he's telling you about missing all this crap and the sound of Kanye, where people are missing the sound of Kanye, he's bringing it back to you towards the end of the, the album. 
He's but, giving you that Kanye that people want to hear, the sampling Kanye, the Mad Lib type. Yeah, but the point beats. of that, but the point of that song was not to say, "I'm gonna give you what you want." The point of that song was to say, like, stop complaining. As well, but he gave you what you wanted. He gave people what he wanted. He gave me what I wanted, in a yeah, certain way. Yeah, no, I mean, the sampling. I wanted the Kanye sampling. Yeah, for sure. But my whole point here is not complaining about the songs at the end because they're great songs. The whole the whole thing I'm trying to say is I don't know what I'm evaluating. No, you're right. And I still don't own it in my collection, so... <laughs> That's never... Well, it doesn't look like it will. No. But, like, the question I asked you, is this the last great Kanye album? And you said no. To me, it is. To me, this is... I, I think if Kanye West... Never put out an album after this because let's be honest, Ye and uh, Jesus is King or whatever the hell it's called to me is not good bodies of work. It's not albums. It's I need to rush myself to put out music because people want my music and I have no idea in which direction to Wait go. Wait a second, you, you think you think those albums were rushed? A hundred percent. I think he recorded those two albums. I'm being honest with you. The way I see it is he recorded it in a week with his head up his ass, and he had no idea what was going on. Where I find he put in the work on Life of Pablo, and he gave you what you wanted to hear. He, he attacked the, the sound of today, and he mixed his Kanye into it. He gave you the R&B side. He gave you the mumble rap crap that fits so well. He gave you that chance. Well, he sound. borrowed an entire song for that. Exactly. Of designer it wasn't I, even his song. Yeah. By the way, it's not future. For the first time we listened, remember when we were watching it live, or we watched. People were the, saying there's a song with future coming and out. And we were yeah. freaking out because we were really into future at that point, mm-hmm. and it was designer. But the reason I like this album so much, and it's number four on my list of Kanye albums, right after graduation is because it's more of the everything of Kanye, what he did in his career. And that's why I like the end of the album. I like the quote-unquote bonus tracks because I find yeah. it flowed in properly. And he gave you a bit of everything. He gave he touched on all those sounds. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, yeah, he touches on, on everything. He, this, this album pretty much, The Life of Pablo, pretty much sums up the career of Kanye, the life of Kanye, everything he's put out, he's giving you a bit of everything. Album point of view, I'm saying. If you're not telling me what the album is, it's easy to just say the 20 songs are the album. If that's the case, past this point, I feel like it breaks consistency. Because we're following a theme between tracks 1 and 14, and then for the latter half, you're 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 breaking the theme to just do the basic stuff. You're you're going back to basics. So you didn't follow through with the process of the album. If you ended at track 14, this top part of the album is fantastic and these bonus tracks are amazing. But they don't go one with the other. But the title of the album yeah fits with the 20 songs. Why? The life of Pablo. He's giving you the life of Kanye West. You said it before. He's giving you everything he's done. 
He's summing it all up in different sounds throughout the whole album. And I get where you're saying it doesn't fit. I get it because it's like, it just it's like shooting you a bunch of songs, like a B-sides type thing. Okay, let me throw this at you. Yeah. Let me throw this at you. Ultralight Beam is the soul gospel intro. Yep. Okay. Tracks two, up until Real Friends, all sound like an evolution from Jesus. Another step ahead, new Kanye. So even to say it sums up his career, not really. But I find there's elements of the end of Beautiful Dark. The very, you know the way he ended like the very instrumental and the very like. Yeah, I could see that in the sound and the way that in the quality. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think it's as big sounding as Beautiful Dark. No, no, for sure, a hundred percent. But there's that poppy graduation sound. Where in songs? You like, see, I, 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 don't see it. Personally, I don't. And even in those bonus tracks, if we want to talk about like how he comes back to the old chopping the beats and stuff. I mean, fade sounds nothing like he's ever done. Mm. Fax is dumb. No more parties in L.A. Isn't him chopping the beat? No, it's a madly beat. And 30 hours. But it sounds very, you know. The soulful stuff? Yeah, that soulful Kanye that we love, that we everybody wants back, which is, at this point, never going to happen ever again. It's his last, not sane album, because he's fucking out of his mind towards in this album too. But he's it's his last, like, I find he put more effort into this album. Compared to everything well, yay, he's done Jesus after. And King. Jesus King. The 20, they're, they're below 30 minutes. He released them. He, well, he gave dates and he postponed them too, right? So he did have time to work on them to some extent. It's also shorter bodies of work. I think he put too much work into this. Because you got to wonder what was scrapped. When you listen to songs like All Day that were fucking like... It was looking like he was about to release his best album when that was coming out yeah and then only one came out and it was like okay he's gonna he's gonna touch on a bit more of this like the melodic sounding stuff and then the super pop single four or five seconds was kind of a throw off from what what he was doing but then we heard wolves and wolves automatically sounded like either the intro or the outro to an album but then it just derailed into like it's the annoy- an overkill of it's the annoying factor of waiting and not knowing what's going right. on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I totally agree with you. But the way it sounds to me sounds like the last great Kanye album. Sounding. It's hard for me to say this because I love this album. I listen to it a lot. What I'm saying is in this in a track. In a track list, like listening to it from A to Z, it gets long. I put it on the other day. And I found it easier to listen to than if I put late registration on. I'm not a huge fan of late registration. People would disagree with that, but I'm not. We said that in in previous. Uh, It's an easier listen to than 808s. And sometimes, 
I'll be straight honest with you. The length of it is easier to listen to than the shortness of Jesus. Because I find Jesus was more of the different side of Kanye, punching mm. your face. Mm. I'm mad, Kanye, to where Life of Pablo is, I'm making music, and I'm focusing more on the music. Uh-huh. Do you get what I'm trying to say with the... Yeah. And that's why, to me, it's college, My Beautiful Dark, graduation, Life of Pablo, then Jesus. I would do Beautiful Dark, College, Jesus. No, uh, your Beautiful Dark, College, Graduation, Jesus. Life of Pablo. Still in the top five. It, it, but that's the thing. It's so hard to say because it, like, I'm, I'm playing against you saying it's the last great album, but it is in some way great. It's just it's, it's, it's too overworked. It's too overdone. This, to me, was more of a sellout album than graduation was when he went full on pop because this was him giving in to Kanye was always on the side of what hip hop was doing this was him giving in to him being able to influence and be the yeah like just I, I don't know how to say it like this is like his fucking complex album if you ask me it's like it's featuring The weekend. it's featuring Frank, it's featuring Sia, it's featuring like Vic Mance, it's featuring, it's all fucking hype artists. And there's hype artists that we love on this. But I find he does a good, he puts them in a good way. Because when you want to hear a weekend song, you want to hear it's that. It's one of the best tracks. So you want to hear that Starboy yeah. weekend. He doesn't sound like that on this. And that's what he did with the artists. And that's why I like it. That's like, look at that Young Thug, that song with Young Thug at the beginning. It fucking fit perfectly. Yeah. He uses these artists to their max, to their limits, but he he gets something different out of all of them all the time. Although I wouldn't say this is his best album or the best hip-hop album of the decade. No. It sums up hip-hop this decade. Yeah. Touches on everything. And that's why I love it so much. And I think it's great. The uh, original track list for Waves was famous as the opening track. Father Stretch My Hands, part one, part two. Waves, highlights with uh, Young Thug. <laughs> 30 Hours, No More Parties in LA, Fade. FML, the, we the song with The Weeknd. Real Friends. And Wolves. Then Ultralight Beam was added at the end. It would have been a horrible way to end an album. I think this track list that I just said cuts out a lot of things that don't need to be there. But Ultralight Beam at the beginning to open up the album. So you'd reverse... Yeah, I'd probably put Ultralight as the intro and leave Wolves as the outro. And Waves, by the way, is my favorite song on the whole album. Really? Yep, I love Waves. Poppy. All this to say... We spent a good... Two hours on just talking about Kanye West. It's a very good... Look, it's a good album. Like I said, I'd give it an 8, an 8.5. But as people that, that do this thing where we listen to albums and we try and score it and we try and see like what's the what's the actual album, I feel like it's it's not organized. 
or too organized. <laughs> to bring it to our next point. Another huge, huge year for TD, Top Dog Entertainment. We're going we're gonna to go this one quickly, but I just want to point out the fact of a record label focusing on their artist and giving them the time of day to put out music and to focus on their projects. So TDE consists of Schoolboy Q, Kendrick Lamar, Absol, Isaiah Rashad, J-Rock, SZA, Sir. I, I don't think in 2016 Sir was part of it. Did I miss anybody? Schoolboy Q, Absol, anyways. Uh, when I say it was a big year for them, they calculated every move like playing chess when they came out with these albums. Kendrick Lamar, the year before, came out with probably his biggest album of his career, To Pimp a Butterfly. One of the biggest albums of the decade. Which did amazing, sounded amazing. Yeah. The next year, obviously, when your biggest artist in your camp puts out an album, you're going to focus on them. Yeah. So if you put out another artist, they will be there. People are going to listen to them. People are going to give them the time of day, but... It's not going to be the big focus when you're as big as Kendrick Lamar when you put out albums and mm -hmm. when you put out an album like To Pimp a Butterfly. So the next year, they're going to focus on the other artist. Before we get into the other artist, Kendrick Lamar put out a seven song B-sides. Can we call it B-sides? Can we call it extras? An EP? EP. I have no idea. I think I it's don't more... know why he just didn't put him at the end of the album like Kanye did. <laughs> But so Kendrick, when he went with Tupin Butterfly, he went Saturday Night Live. Uh, he went on Jimmy Fallon, I think. Was it Jimmy Fallon? No, the other guy, uh, Jimmy something. Uh, he went, he actually was on Jimmy Fallon with The Roots. Mm -hmm. He played with The Roots. He played. He did the Grammys. He did the Grammys. He did a bunch of songs. Was that the Grammys? No. Or was it something else? It was another award show. Yeah, he did a bunch of things. He was on a bunch of live TV shows where he did his songs. But This was all promoting the, the Pimple Butterfly yeah. run, right? We got to say? Right. And after. Yeah. After the During fact. the, during the yeah. course, yeah. And played songs to finish off his set that we were just like... What's he playing? What's he playing? And... There was one night in particular, which when he was at SNL, he played I from Two Pimp. And at the end of the song, played a good chunk of a song that we had no idea what was going on. It's like he, to me, it, it sounded like he did it on the spot. And LeBron James tweeted, Can you put out those songs that you played live? A week later, two weeks later, a album comes out on iTunes. No cover. It was like a green olive color yep. with all these songs called Untitled with dates. So the dates that he performed these songs live. Oh, that's what the dates are. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know what they were. Or when he recorded them. I thought that's what it was. It might have been. It's it's either or because I remember looking at one of the dates and remember, and seeing that he played this song huh. on one of the dates. I could be wrong. I'm not the fucking 
genius of Keep Kendrick going, Lamar. Uh, so this came out, but we're they're tr- we're not trying to focus on Kendrick Lamar this year. We're trying to focus on the other artists. It couldn't be the dates he performed them because the dates range from 2014, 2013. Okay, so it was the dates that he recorded them. Yeah. And these songs sounded rough, like the, the, the sound of it, like it wasn't mastered. Obviously, it's called Untitled Unmastered, but they sounded like songs that should have been on Pimp a Butterfly. On Pimp a Butterfly. There's a song that was recorded with the Good Kid Mad City sessions. Yeah, and there were songs recorded after "To Pimp yeah. a Butterfly." Just a just a little. I just want to throw something yeah. in as a, someone who geeks out over this. The songs are very much mastered. Yeah, I mean, they're. I think. I think. It was rough though a bit. Untitled, is that the songs are untitled and unmastered? I mean, I think he means unmastered is a play on words on they're not perfected. That's what I think. Yeah, because the they're clean. They're clean sounding songs and they sound like they were recorded and finished. Unmastered to me is un- not, not perfected. Yeah. And you said that you like this better than Section 80. Absolutely. And I like this better than Dam. Absolutely. We're not going to get into that conversation now. We'll wait till 2017. But... I can explain you why if you want. Well, I think we because should Because it's wait. 2016. No, no, no. Maybe just why I like this body of work. Okay, yeah, go. Because it's an extension to an already fantastic body of work mm-hmm. that maintains the structure of... How can I say? It was all part of one session, and even though it was separated to be on the outside it still fits as a counterpart yeah. to that to maybe not a counterpart, but as a, um, as a chunk of what didn't appear on the album going real quick back to Pablo, those bonus tracks, if they are bonus tracks at the end, don't do that the way this does to Pimple Butterfly. Yeah. It just, it just follows more of a, it is very cohesive. Yeah. Now I don't think this was meant to come out. I think it was just put out because people were asking, where the fuck do these amazing songs come from? This sound is amazing. It's like he kind of did another sound. CeeLo featuring, J-Rock featuring. Mm -hmm. uh, It sounded so amazing that they put out on CD. Vinyl. And later on that year... It's maybe not better than them. I might be exaggerating. Yeah, you might be exaggerating big time. <laughs> but later on that year, they get to focus on Schoolboy Q, who puts out Blank Face, a album that to me, and was in our top 100 of yeah. season one, his best body of work, yeah. his best sounding piece of art that he's done, and Till this day, his most experimental too. Ex- exactly, Tries his most sounds up. Yeah, and his most rap album as well. Like his most lyrical, hmm. I find because on habits and contradiction, he goes, he goes a route of being more gangster rap, being more aggressive. Where to on this album, he's more lyrical. He's changing up his flows. He's doing his. Hmm. He's breaking up the verses. 
He's breaking up the bars. Like I gotta check that out he, again, he, I guess he so. taps into Schoolboy Q, the lyricist. Schoolboy Q, the rapper. I felt it was more his pop album, but okay. Uh, Absol puts out his album finally since Control System in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Absol do what thou will, which is I find his second best album. So you're seeing they're focusing on the other artists of their camp and they're giving them the time. And these guys from TDE are putting out great bodies of work. So now we're at three in the same year from TDE putting out amazing bodies of work. I know you probably didn't listen to the episode. I'm not too big on him. No. I like the first one that had... Uh, the control system. That was, yeah. that was all right. That was pretty good. I didn't get into the others. And Isaiah Rashad... That was good. Comes out with the Sun's tirade, which blew my mind right when it came out. So you're getting these guys coming out with albums. It's not one of the two, one of the four is good, two of the four is good. They are all putting out great music. Yeah. And it's not like. It's just being thrown out. It's being worked on in a week, two weeks, three weeks. They've been working on it for a year, six months, eight months. They're putting the effort into their albums, and it sounds so great. This is why they stand out in 2016. This is why they stand out in this decade, because there's nowhere in their discography where it's like, meh. Maybe you might say that for Oxymoron. But yeah, I'd say that about um, solo albums too. But again, if it's not for me, it's not for me. But I mean, there's no reason for me to say say TD is not important to this decade. I mean, Pimp a Butterfly, good kid, damn. After saying that, it wasn't that good. Um, blank face. Blank face. Habits. Habits. J Rock had two solid albums, three even. It's like when we say SZA. Like when we say who's running this decade, we got to give these guys their props because they don't put out shit material. They don't put out material every two, three, four months. They put out albums every couple of years because they're worked on properly. It's not the, I'm going to drop 16 mixtapes and then I'm going to drop a shit album. They're all also different artists. Yeah. They all sound different. Isaiah Rashad doesn't sound like Absol. That's what helps, I think, the whole group. Exactly. Has their own and, and the crazy thing about it is they don't blast their albums with 600 features either. And they push each other. Yep. So these are guys that are probably in the studio together saying, ah, you should do this verse differently. Ah, you should put this song before this song. They work on their bodies of work together. And I find that because of 2016 with them putting out this, they just basically ran the decade with amazing music. And when I make my top rappers list, don't be surprised if you get about two, three of these people on it. So two, three of them. Two, three Griselda. So we're six. at six. Push. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we're at seven. I'll, I'll leave the surprise. Left. I'll leave the surprise. <laughs> well, the other three are... <laughs> I'll tell you now, they're, they're probably numbers 10, 9, and 8. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 
I think we could take a break now, huh? Fuck, this second is a break for yeah. the first time ever. We'll be back. We're back from the first ever second break in all time podcast history. We're gonna start with, we're gonna restart with three soul R and B art uh, albums that came out. Massive artists. Um, not so much how one impacted the other, but just a quick look at all of them because you can't skip over this. Uh, we could start with Rihanna Anti because this was probably her best album. I uh, agree 100%. Not even probably. This was her best yeah. album. Well, I like the one with Umbrella, but we won't get into that one. Well, this was more of her first time doing the full-on artsy soul album we were waiting for it for a long time there was singles that came out bitch better have my money good song that didn't make the album with a music video right but um when the first single came out work with drake it was a pretty big deal it sounded like the usual rihanna and then the album, when it finally comes out, you get the opening track with SZA. There's a Tame Impala. Doesn't SZA write for Rihanna? Or has written for Rihanna? It's I read possible. that somewhere. It's very possible. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Sorry to cut you off. Next. No, no, it's cool. Um, there's a Tame Impala cover on it from their album Currents. Uh, this is not her first time doing indie covers. She once took a song, the intro song from the XX's first album, turned it into a full song. For another album of hers. But yeah, Anti just felt like the Rihanna album we were always waiting for because she was a pop artist first and foremost with great singles. It was always feeling like Rihanna would have the best greatest hits album, but never have a great album. And this what changed it. Switched it up completely. Uh her tour for this, I was like I actually saw this tour, which was Really? Yeah. Incredible live performance I think this was much better than the soul R&B album that everyone else hyped up this year which was Beyonce's Lemonade agree the reasons I say that is because it has its Lemonade has its hits it's uh, like great songs in formation and sorry and Poppy Poppy but also just a following up her self-titled album but it also had some weird, like there was a country bluesy song on it. A lot of the interlude sounding songs, like the slower ones, just sounded like old Beyonce songs that serve as filler. There was a lot of controversy over the album as well. It was a lot of talk. Right. A lot of tweets, Instagram posts, uh, memes. It was just... It was basically... A drama album. Yeah. Because this is the album where she spoke about... Her thing with Jay-Z, the the the, uh, the affair and all that. The great thing about this album that I really like, and I always plug these guys when they do the work on this, um, a lot of indie guys getting song writing credits on Beyonce's Lemonade. Uh, specifically, as Arcanic from Vampire Weekend gets a writing credit on Hole Up which was a song that he was going to use on Vampire Weekend's Father of the Bride that came out this year, 2019, but gave it over to her. Um, 
it's also it also quotes a Yeah 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 song. So Yeah Yeah Yeah's being a big indie group from the 2000s, previous decade. Uh, other songwriters, I just want to do this real quick because I do think like a lot of these bands like fell off. We don't hear them putting out classic records anymore, but it's good to it's cool to see them working and putting out and and writing music that everyone is listening to. We just don't know it's them. James Blake writes the opening track, "Pray You Catch Me." As I said, Ezra Koenig hold up. Um, Jack White features on the album, "Don't Hurt Yourself." It's the second time we mentioned him this episode because he also features on "Tribe." Tribe. Um, the weekend's a feature on this track. This should be no surprise. He's pretty much a big deal at this time. You get Kendrick on the track "Freedom." You get Outcast credits the song All Night because they used the horns from Spotty Audi Dopalicious. Yeah, people freaked out about that too when it came out. Right. She was using those horns on the live performance of Flawless from the last album, by the way. This is also a visual album. Second time around, she does a visual album. Yeah. The visual part of this album was a little better, I'd say, than the Beyonce visual. But... Overall, musically, I find like certain songs like Daddy Issues, even the song with Jack White, Don't Hurt Yourself, not the best. The song it's, with The Weeknd is not great. There's, the, a, there's a lot of filler to me, it feels. It's a very poppy album, I find, and it's, I find it's a very emotional album at the same time. Sister Solange, though. Yep. A Seat at the Table. Number one album for a lot of music press, Pitchfork. Was definitely on that. Uh, it was really nice to see her finally get her piece of the. I mean, she's always been around doing good music. Well, she, she got collaborates f- with great people. Well, she went apeshit in the elevator, so right. But it was good to see her do this without needing it to be about the elevator anymore and not sounding like Beyonce. Exactly. Like going into a different direction. Right. And you don't think of it when you. When when you when you go listen to her, you're thinking you're gonna get the same thing. You're gonna get a totally poppy, uh, emotional, hype type of artist, but you get the total opposite. Right. It's really like more like that soul. This falls more in the category of like. It's more like on the Badu side. Yeah. This album, like. Just the people that contributed to it. Questlove's on it. Magical Clouds, group from here. Raphael Sadiq has credits on this. Sampha's on it again. Lil Wayne's on it. This album, the guys from TV on the radio wrote parts of the song. If you know me, you know how much I like those guys. But really just... Q-Tip's on it. We spoke about Q-Tip a lot on this podcast. Kalila. It's just it, it, musically speaking, this might be one of the albums that aged the best from this year. Because when it came out in 2016, there was so much. As I said, there was I was able to pull a top 50 together. This album was kind of there, lingering around as an album I liked. When it was number one on a lot of lists, I was kind of like, okay, I don't know, but going back to it this time around, it may have made my top five if we didn't squeeze it into the episode. I'll actually say it's better than Rihanna Antino. Out of the three? Yeah. 
I could tell why. Yeah, this one was really impressive. It's very musical. It's very nice sounding. There are a lot of the D'Angelo voodoo sounds too that come that I that I hear on this. And to more soul actually coming up. And to continue with 2016 with one of the most anticipated artists in this decade. We've also been waiting for this one since 2014. Yeah. Frank Ocean releases Endless on August 19th. Which is one song for an hour and 15 minutes. No, it's a visual album, that one too. I think it falls more under the visual because it was released as the video of him in the empty yeah. room, right? It was an Apple exclusive, I think, at the yeah, at it's, launch. It's like an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes, right? I think it was shorter than that. Anyways, it's shorter than just that. to say I listened to it twice. I don't remember I'm it being that long. And I'm I didn't probably to not going to ever go back to it. It has its moments. UNITY yes. is the best track, if you ask me. But I think he did it in a way to say that something was coming. I'm still here. Let's do something different. Again, we're in the years of where we're trying different things. We want to do different things. We want to. We want to stand out in a way where we're not doing what the next artist is doing. We want to do. We want to. We want to promote our music differently. It was only forty-five minutes long. You must yeah. have really not liked it then. No, not gonna go back to it. It's not something that stuck with me. It's not something that I really care about. To be honest with you, he's made great music. So why go to something good or less than good? But the following day, you got something more than good. So he releases "Endless," August nineteenth. Frank Ocean. Everybody's coming in their pants. Everybody's going ballistic. Frank Ocean's back. The Savior of Jesus Christ. August 20th. Blonde. Is it album of the decade? Is it Frank Ocean's best album? Did you like it right away? Did it take time to grow on you? I didn't love it at first. I didn't love it at first. And it took me till 2019 to love it. It's far from perfect. It's very important to say that it's because when we talk very far yeah. from perfect and when we talk about the greatest albums of the decade, the albums like the To Pimp a Butterflies, the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasies, the Blondes, they're, they're 10s, sure. Blondes, not 10. It's damn near a 10 if you ask me, but they're albums that are still far from perfect. Perfect. We give them a score, but they're not like to me, blondes imperfection happen after Andre three thousand solo the when, when solo comes back. I find it happens towards the last three songs of the album. So yeah, so that's arguably, yeah, possibly where that happens. Pretty sweet Facebook story close to you, to me, are the long parts. White Ferrari is very far from being a bad song. It's actually one of the best songs on the album. Siegfried, Godspeed, Futura, Free to Me are good. The last three songs. I like those. That said, I made a comment when we talked about Channel Orange saying that at the midpoint of Pyramids, the beat drop was the switch of the album. Mm -hmm. That's actually Nights. So I got to correct myself because I was wrong. Okay. It's actually Nights on Blonde that does that. 
and it's very apparent when nights when the beat changes so does the whole change of the album that's probably my favorite song on the album nights was the best track off this album the first time i heard this album and it is today i would say solo nights and you know what i really like pretty sweet as well well the trilogy really yeah the trilogy of nights iv pink and white to open the album are amazing yep and at the beginning, I didn't like Nikes because I didn't like the voice at the beginning. It's an odd, it's an odd track to start an album. Again, that should be that sounds like an outro. But the way it transitioned into Frank, uh-huh. I found was great. Yeah. Now, not when I first listened to it, I got more annoyed when I first listened to it that he's gonna start an album off like that, and I didn't understand it. But the way it happens, yeah. Now, after the fact, I just think it's great. But we could agree the first half of the album is really the strong point of the yeah. album. And the I'd say the very end is, is is incredible, but I could see where it starts to get long. It's a it's a long album too, no? Yeah. Like songs are four or five minutes, past five minutes. There's an, the last song is nine minutes and 24 seconds. Yeah, but the outro is kind of like staticky and noise build yeah. up and chatter. Uh, the other half of Vampire Weekend, or at least the other half... A Vampire Weekend for the first trilogy of their albums. Rostam writes quite a bit on this album. He wrote Ivy. These guys he wrote part of Ivy. These guys don't write their fucking music anymore. Everybody's writing for people. Well, they're producing. They're like contributing. It's kind of like a... I mean, music is a collaboration, so... No, I get it, but it's just... I don't mind it. Uh, when you I'm like an artist like Frank Ocean, you're you're hoping for the... I write my own music because I'm... Like, he's great. Yeah, but I have no problem with this supporting cast. No, because John you're, Bryan, film yeah. score. Like, I mean, this guy, like, he went to go get people that really could push the idea, the concept of this album. The I sounds. The, he went, he, and we had this discussion about Channel Orange, whether or not it was the best album. Where I go back and forth between the two, I believe when we did Channel, when we did that episode, I said Channel Orange was my favorite. Doing this episode, this one's my favorite. And, it just seems like more of a crafted piece of work. Like it's more well-rounded. There's more going on. There's more, again, textures. I say that a lot when I describe certain artists, but that's what this album is. Here's my here's my thing, Channel Orange versus Blonde. Yeah. Because obviously we're going to put both against each other because they're both yeah, we could do great pieces of, of music. I like the music in Channel Orange more than Blonde. I like Frank Ocean's voice, how he changes his pitches, how he changes his tone of voice on Blonde more than Channel Orange. I like what he does with his voice better on Blonde. Like he'll he'll switch it up and 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 sing quicker, but it kind of sounds like he's was well, experimenting more, yeah. Exactly, like he's experimenting more with his voice. He'll change it up three. St- three, four times on a song and then go back to how he started the song. I like that. I find that's a great pe- a great artist can do that. But the music on Channel Orange just seems like something newer. You know what I mean? Like I find like when I listen to Channel Orange, I'm listening to new music that hasn't been done like that in a while or before. Like a song like Pyramids. Yeah. Or Lost. Yeah. 
Channel Orange was a lot more pop oriented than this. Kind of like pop sometimes. Yo, no, 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 absolutely. I think this was his coming, like what was his fight? Like he found what the Frank Ocean sound is going to be on this album. And going forward, it's always kind of been more difficult to listen to, more experimental. The tracks that he releases as singles later, Chanel, they follow more. They 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 fall more under the blonde bucket than the Channel Orange bucket. He's clearly evolved. He's taken a step forward. He writes songs that are a bit more layered, that have a bit more depth to them. Versus the straightforward pop albums on pop songs on Channel Orange that were overproduced, that he collaborated a lot with clean producers, let's say. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different thing. You also have to take into consideration what what happened since Channel Orange and Blonde. Yeah. Well, it, it, look at the his his voice, his singing ability. I find just yeah, got again, better, way an, better. Yeah, an artist evolved, but there were also, like, he was kind of forced to come out because of the fucking press. Yeah. That became a thing because he was part of a hip-hop group. But the, the, you know what I love about this guy? He's not in the media. He's in none of that shit anymore. Yeah. And I'm sure he has a fucking issue when people are following him or asking him questions or on his case about stuff. So he takes more of the time to make great music. Do you get what I'm saying? He's more in, I'm here to make music, not to, for you people to know what the fuck I'm doing with my life. You'll hear it in my lyrics. I'll it's a, yeah, it's a real you. artist, yeah. And we're into that time now where it's, I need to know when you go to the bathroom and who you're fucking to like who you are. That's what most people want, sure. But uh, it's it, it's a great album, and, and we've always said that great albums take time. Absolutely. A great album is not going to come overnight after Absolutely. you listen to it once, twice, three times. It might happen after you listen to it ten times. It might happen after you listen to it three, four years later. Right. And that's fine. Because you could grow. Mm-hmm. You could understand it more. It yeah. could be just something going on in your life as well, or just how you're feeling. But it grew big time on me. Uh, also had a funny release, eh? This was released with a magazine, Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. Uh, originally, people thought that was the name of the album, which is cool, I guess. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't know that that would happen with The Cure having that. I think. Uh, when it came out, my cousin Mark bought two copies of the magazine. Or I'd maybe, love to own one of those, man. I think you could still buy them on. Uh, mm-hmm. How much are they? Six thousand dollars. I saw a couple units for three hundred bucks, but sometimes it's like different currencies, so you don't fuck with that. Yeah, uh, and there was a Black Friday release. Yeah, with the black artwork in full, but there were some versions that had a different track list, if I'm not mistaken. Some Jeez. versions of the magazine had different track list. There was a bonus track or two that. Were floating around yeah. from one of the from some of the, but there was the vinyl release on his website as well. Yeah, that that seems to be the most common version. Yeah, which my cousin has as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did great. So let's let's say we discussed Channel Orange versus 
blonde. It's Moody. It's Moody. It's too, Moody. Uh, yeah. Do they both belong in the top ten of the decade? For music in general. Yeah. 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 For sure. I take out a bunch of shit that doesn't make sense. I'm gonna take out the Carly Rae Jepsen and the Taylor Swifts out of the fucking out of the list and put these two. Is it number one? Definitely not. Some people are calling Blonde number one. No, they're out of their fucking mind. I could see why, but, but I we're don't gonna know say, that I would We're going to say another thing about Blonde. People are on a bandwagon too, right? They're on the, it's the yeah. popular thing. I'm going to go listen to Frank Ocean. Yeah. It's not I'm listening to Frank Ocean because he makes great music. It's, oh, everybody thinks it's the greatest album that came out. Fuck it. I'm saying the exact same thing. Absolutely not. I remember when it came out, a lot of people were like instantly praising it, but it kind of did feel like, like, I don't know, maybe I, is it just the way I hear music or it really did feel like the first time I heard it, this wasn't something I was going to love right away. You got to let fucking albums breathe. Like you need to fucking understand albums. You need to make them flow. It's not the greatest thing right away. I tell you that all the time with Kendrick Lamar. I don't love Kendrick Lamar albums when they come out. It takes they me take a while. A minute, yeah. It's fucking normal. A lot of people said this was also, and I don't know, like, I mean, I guess to some extent I understand the comparison. There's even music from it on it. But a lot of people were calling this the, a lot of people were calling this the Kid A in Frank Ocean's discography. But we realize, like, this is his second album. Yeah, they need to relax. Or do you realize, like, what like what even draws that comparison? I don't see it. Mark, can you help us out if you're listening to this fucking episode and tell me where does that come from or where does it... Like, because I don't understand. Like, what happens if his next album is even more groundbreaking? We're going to backpedal and say this was the OK Computer and this new one is the Kid A? Why are we comparing Frank Ocean and Radiohead? I don't know. I think what people mean to say is that the the only way I could see it is Kid A came out in the year 2000 and it managed to be a lot of people's well, at, the, at the decade end of the 2000s that was still the best album kind of like Kanye did start in 2010 set the, set yeah. the whole fucking tone. decade and the then tone. yeah and, and still in my books retain it Kid A did that for the 2000s to a lot of people is that what people are comparing it to as just a generational thing? Musically, I don't see it in full. But I love that Blonde has a lot more guitars than Channel Orange does. Mm-hmm. Channel Orange has quite a bit of guitars too. But anyway, I, I love them both. They're, they're moody albums. I, I would put them both in my... In, in the decade's top 10 for sure. I don't know about mine. We'll see. So what other points do we have? Well, we said Radiohead, so I'll do it right away. They yeah. come back with a moon-shaped pool. What do you think? It's their... Well, it's the only other album they did this decade, and it's the best one of this decade. And it's a top five Radiohead album to me. Ooh. I'm doing this. Ooh. I'm calculating this real fast here. Ooh. And Rainbow's OK Computer and Kid A are the three that... Should be in everyone's top five. Moonshape would be there for me. Ooh, yeah. I like that. 
it's gloomy it's dark it's uh it's tom york uh, it's 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 radiohead's breakup album let me tell you this it's not king of limbs the <laughs> uh, i'm gonna say it on this episode and then we'll talk about it if we want to or i'll get hate in the comments or somebody's gonna throw an axe at my skull the most overrated album of the decade came out this year. Let me guess. Childish Gambino, Awaken right. My Love. Red Bone is a great song. Great song. He, he came out and did an album that did not sound absolutely zero on 10, sound like any of his previous work. And I give him the most props in the world for that because it's cool for an artist to change from rapping using live instruments to ripping off funkadelic to the max red bone is a great song the rest of the album is mediocre at best if you guys and this goes out to everybody i'm i'm, I'm if people say that this album deserves top 10 top 20 top 30 top 40 top 50 decade ranking you are tone deaf. This is a artist that people don't listen to the music. This is an artist that people like because he, he is a hype as an artist. He could put out a song of him shitting in a toilet bowl and people are going to be like, fuck, he just made the greatest song ever. He are you is, talking about... I don't think... Childish Gambino I'm talking about. I'm still on right, the subject yeah, yeah, of Childish yeah. Gambino. This artist has no place in this decade in the top artists, top albums. He makes mediocre music. He has some great songs. I'm going to give him that. I understand where he likes to change up his style and all the props, but you don't make good music. Can I weigh in? Yes. I think it wasn't overrated. I think that people, the, the listeners to our show, maybe people... The public liked it better than the critics did, that's for sure. Because it wasn't praised as an album. It was rated at maybe 6, 7, yeah. 10 top. That's where it fits for me. I think it's good and it, it fits in that catalog. It fits in that in that caliber of, of rating. It passes. It doesn't do more than it should. I do agree with you that a lot of like a lot of people eat shit up from this guy that to me doesn't make a difference like this is america was a fine song nothing yeah. more the music video was better than the song yeah it was a good song and i'm gonna end childish gambino talk on one point childish gambino did more for migos than childish gambino did for childish gambino perfect way to fucking end it i'm gonna talk about 2016 having the biggest letdown album of the decade I don't take this shit for granted. I do my own propaganda. I feel like Jules Santana. Leg hanging out the Phantom. Six cold like Alaska. Views already a classic. I don't think so. Wrong answer. This was supposed to be Canada's album. Yeah. Thanks, Drake. You finally failed us in 2016. Fuck did I love the fail. Um, but I love that bar about Jules Santana, though. Props to him. This was actually a good song. But I remember listening to this album for the first time and catching that line. 
and being like he bold bold statement has great tracks like controller there's a track i liked on this album no well there's a track too good with rihanna those again the pop songs killed it off the song that, one this, dance was good is this where's the song with young thug is it on this or the more life where young thug it doesn't use more life tune? Okay, more sure. life with the two chains as well but views was to me the biggest album because we waited after if you're reading this it's too late and then what a time to be alive and and, and views was supposed to come out before if you're reading this it's too yeah. late as we said and finally no is is if you're reading this it's too late drake's last, last great, great album, album. <laughs> absolutely um in other news uh our friend uh what's his name chance the rapper came out with coloring book yep uh When it came out, I loved, 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 love. Today, it's my second favorite Chance album. When Coloring Book came out, it was my second favorite Chance album. And I stand by that today. Yeah. Acid Rap destroyed this. Changed the game of hip-hop as well. Yeah. And uh, if you want my honest opinion, Coloring Book was... It had great tracks. We got way too much hype. That could be in the discussion for the most overrated album yeah. now the decade. now i think no yeah you got to let things age and, yeah. and let things but uh big disappointment from him this year and it's kind of showing like how long could this guy keep mm. going really there was some really great songs on the album the song with little wayne and two chains yeah of was course. great i was listening to that this morning preparing for this episode yeah so like it has great songs don't get us wrong but i don't think it aged as well as I thought it would. I put it number two that year. Yeah, you loved it. I put it number two. I was two. insisting that this was not going to be anything to I was listening to the album a lot in yeah. 2016. Now, I just find, I would probably put it, I'd probably still put it in the 10-15 of the year, but not number two. I was, again, you got to let things breathe. Uh, last thing, Gucci Mane, released from prison, released it th- three albums in a span of like six months so that was big for hip-hop Gucci Mane after spending three years in prison coming out totally different human being and releasing you know what three good projects that year don't forget in our 2010s episode we spoke about Danny Brown's atrocity exhibition from this year yep and uh, Schoolboy Q's blank face from this year Yep. Uh, yeah. I think I'm ready for the fives. Yeah, you're going to start off the five. So we always do our top fives of the year. We can't put it any TDE nope. in our top fives because we spoke about it. We can't put Kanye. We can't put Beyonce, Rihanna, Solange, Solange Frank, Frank, Danny Brown from last year. Yeah. And now we just added, well, we said Chance wouldn't be there. Childish Gambino won't be there. Tribe. Tribe can't be there. Bowie can't be there. And Cohen the, can't be there. Yeah. Lots of music this year. Yep. I'm starting? Yeah, you're going. All right. Five more albums that marked 2016. My album of the year in 2016 was Bon Iver, 22 A Million. I've said how much I care about Justin Vernon and the music he makes. Great artist. 22 A Million was, I want to say, his most electronic, experimental sounding, a lot of vocoder on it. 
album. Um, if you like him by now, you've heard this. And if you've heard him through a lot of the hip-hop stuff that he collaborates on, this would be the album you like the most. 22 million. I've got Mitski, Puberty 2. I remember when that came out, you were fucking into it like crazy. Great indie rock album by Mitski. She's a really good songwriter. There were there there were many great songwriters in this decade, but I think she ended the decade with she ended the decade with two great albums that in my book put her on top of the songwriting game, I guess. I got Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Skeleton Tree. Heartbreaking album I mentioned last week was Sufin Stevens' Karen Lowell. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds released this album after his son passed away. What? Yeah. Um, that sucks, fuck. I, I believe it was an acid trip or an LSD trip and he jumped to his death. Jesus Christ. And Nick Cave's kind of dealing with this kind of uh, well, he's definitely grieving and he's um, accepting it throughout this record. It's heavy. It's very heavy stuff. Uh, it's also kind of interesting to hear him in... Re- if you're a fan of the Batsies or Nick Cave and the Batsies, you know that he's always into the... Char- he's always a, in character. Yeah. He finally breaks that on this to be real. And show, I don't want to call it regret, but he acknowledges that part of this could be his doing. Scary looking dude. dark, Yeah. Fuck. um, Angel Olsen, My Woman. Again, great songwriter. She's, uh, this would be her third album of of this decade. All three were really good. This to me was her best. Um. Just more great singer-songwriter, good guitar rock type stuff. And last but not least, I got two here listed. Say both, who cares? This Fuck was it. a massive year. We top could six. allow six, top six. I got Car Seat Headrest, Teens of Denial. Continuing that kind of post-punk, uh, alt-rock, guitar-driven music. And I got Anderson Pack with Malibu. Because we heard of him off Compton by now. He already had Venice. But Malibu was put out following uh, his work on Compton. And I think this one put him on the map. And I think this is his best album. I think, unfortunately, uh, we expected too much of him after this album. Because he worked with Dre and this album was that good. He puts out two albums. Which were... Oxnard and Ventura Ventura which Ventura was better than Oxnard but yep. anyway long story short this was the best Anderson Pack album he worked with that No Worries album too yeah Yes, yes Lord. Lord yeah that was good but this is this is the best Pack work my You're turn on the clock so in 2016 I tweeted uh, tweeted Instagram my top 15 because I had a top 15 and I wrote too much great hip hop this year yes I only listen to hip hop the most consistent genre of music and I stand by that to this day for 2016 now I'll start off with 
my top five. I discovered a artist in 2016, later in 2016, because Danny Brown actually tweeted this West Side Gun album, though, with four exclamation points. So when an artist that you like tweets something, you're going to be like, okay, who's this West Side Gun? So what I did was I went and I looked up West Side Gun and I found Fly God. West Side Gun being from Buffalo. Never listened to any artist coming out of Buffalo in my entire life. I didn't even know they made music in Buffalo. And I listened to the album and I thought of this the other day and I was just like, I was actually talking to somebody about this. When you listen to artists, you listen to artists because you love the sound of their music. Sometimes you listen to artists and you're waiting for albums to come out and you're hoping that they live up to their expectation. Or you want them to sound a certain way, but they go into a different lane, whether it's to be popular, whether it's to do the sound of today, and they don't live up to what you want them to be. This is why I found an artist like West Side Gun, because he makes the music that I want to hear. He's not making music for, for people that listen to what the music of today is. He's not going to make that sound. He's going to make the music sound that he wants to make. Let's take, for example, a Dave East, which is a great lyricist, has worked with Nas, has done such great music, but touches on today's music. And I'm guessing he does that because he wants different fans. West Side Gun doesn't do that. After Danny Brown tweeted that, I listened to the album and I was just like, all these years I listened to Mob Deep, Sean Price, I've listened to underground hip hop. And for a good five years, I didn't have any of that stuff. Now I finally found the artist that can bring me back to, to that sound. Wrestling references. There's actually a song with action. You had that with Smoke Dizzle, though. Yes. With, with and Bronson does a lot of yeah, it, too. But into the grimy Hit way. With the... So on this, on this album, he does a song called Dudley Boys mm. featuring Action Bronson. Mm -hmm. And just for the, just the way the album is put together and that I, I get back that, that sound that I've been looking for for years that I, didn't, I wasn't listening to, it brought me back. And it will probably be in somewhere in my top 20, top 15 albums of the decade. So. Did you say what it was yet? West Side Gun, Fly God. Probably. It is good. And I'll be honest, as somebody, like I, I joke with you a lot about like really being into these guys. It's probably the best thing they did. Any of them. Hands down. It's a project that stamped that sound it put them on the map and it put them on the map and west side gun does not rap like like that his voice yeah. nobody has that you know the way mf doom has his voice you know it's yeah. mf doom yeah that's true. west side gun has, has his voice yeah, yeah. and you know it's west side gun uh so that's number one west side gun fly god uh yg still brazy yeah my favorite yg album but not his best body of work his first yeah. one, my crazy, my crazy life yeah. that we put in our top, top 100, 100 yeah. is more of a story. It's more of a, I'm YG. This is where I'm from. This yeah. is my story. This is more of like, 
the dog pounds dog food. It's really like a, this is like the most G Funk revival album. Exactly. Ever. G Funk. It's fun. Uh, Reminds me a lot of DJ Quick. This is where I got that reference. I think I said in the first season that this is DJ Quick part two. Yeah. And. But again, he's very much his own artist too. Yeah. I find it's his last best album. For sure. Uh. Number three, Smoke Dizza and Pete Rock, Don't Smoke Rock. Great album. Great album. Cameron is on it. Uh, Rick Ross is on it. Uh, it's it's just a great album. And to hear somebody like Smoke Dizza with Pete Rock, it just, yeah. it just blends everything in. So if you like that stoner type rap with Pete Rock instrumentals, it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey Perp, Eye Drops. You remember when that came out? I was kept talking about this album like crazy. It's an amazing album. Uh, Chicago rap with lyrics. Not that drill uh, trap shit that comes out from Chicago. Uh, that's number four. And number five, I would have to give it to Vince Staples' Prima Donna. My least favorite of his. Yeah, but but a different sound, again, from what he was doing. And we saw him for that tour. It was for the Prima Donna tour, no? No. Yeah, it was because he was playing, he played like four songs from it. No, it was for Big Fish. Was it? Yeah, because the merch was out and we went and there was no Yes. It was for Big Fish. And my cousin bought like a hoodie. A hoodie, yeah. At like 80 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have one more since you did six. Yeah. 2010, okay, go, 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 go. I would say Royce to Five Nine Layers, just lyrics. Mm-hmm. 2010 and 2016, we had six. And today, like, I mean, I'm not saying that, oh, look, look at how that, how did that happen? 2010 and 2016, I was looking at it today, were the best years of the decade. Yep. Fuck yeah. 2015 had a lot of great titles, great albums that came out. But like, if you could sum up the decade in those two years, so much came out. And they're great albums. Like, I'm not saying like everything in those two years outdoes the rest because it's totally false. But these were the two years that if you weren't keeping up, you were falling behind. Man, how many fucking albums came out this year? It's like 200? I, like I said, I had a top 50 on this on this album. It's crazy. This year. And I mean 200 that we liked. It's a huge year. It was, it, it was fun, man. Man, we did. We have fun buying music. We would, we would go out. We would fucking take three hours to pick a book. We fucking... This was, this was probably my last best year in buying music. Think of it. Yeah, there was so much to keep up with. I mean, yeah. It was fucking insane. And look, we just did a almost two-hour episode. We did a two-hour on this, yeah. Around 2016. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Yeah, this episode was good. This was, uh, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. And we probably missed a bunch of albums, but. We did. I mean, I, I, I'm still thinking of things now that we didn't put, that we didn't mention. Like, I could throw them out, but. If you want, go for it. People nah. people might want to listen to them. Well, it was a Parquet Courts album that was really good. RTJ3. 
Run the Jewels 3. Right, 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 right before the new year, right? Yeah. Um, they always do that. Tronada, which was a Montreal artist that exploded with his debut album in 2016 called 99.9%. Yeah. Mac Miller, The Divine Feminine. Uh, fucking Chili Peppers came back with, if you're a Chili Pepper fan, a decent album. You like that album, though, a lot. Because it's Danger Mouse. They worked with Danger Mouse. They finally switched producer, went for Danger Mouse, who I think was refreshing. But, I mean, Chili Peppers are very much a thing you love or hate. Yep. So, if you like them, it was good. For the J. Cole fans out there that always give us flack in the comments or in the uh, sliding in our DMs saying you never talk about J. Cole, J. Cole put out For Your Eyes Only. Anoni Hopelessness was uh, formerly... Uh, Anthony and the Johnsons, now known as Anoni. Blood Orange, Freetown Sound. was a great album as well. Young Thug, Jeffrey. Yeah. James Blake, The Color and Anything. My favorite Young Thug album. It was huge, man. It was a really big year. Kevin Gates, Isla. Yeah. White Lung, Canadian punk band, Paradise. The yeah. Avalanche has come back with Wildflower. ASAP Mob put out their... Their group album, Cozy Tapes Volume 1. I just want to highlight the Avalanche, though. It took 16 years to put out this album. The Avalanche are like a... They're kind of like a psychedelic, electronic, hip-hop type of group. If you're into electronic stuff, this album features everyone from Father John Misty to Danny Brown to Biz Marquis. Uh, it's got samples of the fucking Bee Gees. Minky's still alive, Biz Marquis. It's nuts, this album. Uh, the Avalanche, it's called The Wildflower. De La Soul put out an album. Yeah. Which wasn't that good. But there was a good tribe album, so. Yeah. Uh, Can't have everything. No. Uh, Jay Dilla, Diary. Flapo Zombies put out an album. Two Chains put out an album. Will Little Wayne, his idol. And I would say. That's it. Oh, yes. Iggy Pop worked with Josh Homme. Big Baby Dram. You like that? Yeah, that with the good. dog? Yeah, that was good. Uh, Joe Budden put out his last album, Rage in the Machine. And was, that, was he already at Complex then? Uh, no. No, I don't think he was at Complex. He's no longer with Complex, right? No, he has his own podcast. Good. Jeezy uh, Trapper Die. And the song of the year goes to... Oh... Song of the Year goes to... I don't know. You tell me. Young Thug featuring Travis Scott and Quavo. Pick up the phone. Really? I'm just busting balls. It was a fucking good song, but I'm busting You know balls. what was a better song? What? Young Thug featuring Wyclef Jean. Yeah. <laughs> song title, Kanye West. <laughs> yeah. That was the best song of 2016. I would say any... I would Work say from Rihanna was actually quite good. No, what's the first song on the Jeffrey album? Wyclef Jean. Wyclef Jean. Yeah, Wyclef Jean. Yeah, it was a really good year, man. 2016 was nuts. Fucking uh, Travis Scott put out Birds in the Trap Sing McKnight. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to listen to on the way home, but... It's, it's probably from 2016. Yeah. 21 Savage, Metro Boomin. Yeah. Savage Mode. That's where people started saying that fucking... That was... It was good. It was. It was a very good body of work 
the flow was always the same throughout the 10 songs. It's not the, the that's not the Ghostface Killer album, huh? The one with uh, Offset that came no, out. No, 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 that's another thing, yeah, yeah. Steven does sometimes like music I don't like in hip hop. Yeah. And it and it's impossible to convince you that you need to hear it. Which it's is, very impossible. I find that I'm gonna say this right right here. It's so annoying. But how many times okay, I get it. But I've told you to listen to fucking I've been telling you to listen to Benny the Butcher for the last year, you don't want to listen to him. But I went through it and I wasn't in the mood for it. Maybe one year I'll go back to it. It's seven songs. But to me it's weird that you would listen to one type of music exclusively except for the one thing I find good. Okay. I'm going to listen to 21 Savage. And Metro Woman on the way home, right now. No, because I don't have a thing to plug in my car to listen to the album. Hamilton Leithauser from The Walkman and Rostam from Vampire Weekend collaborated on I Had a Dream That You Were Mine this year as well, which was a great indie rock album. I mean, this year was insane. Yep. Yep. No Worries was this year with Anderson yeah, Pack. Yes, and, Lord. Uh, yeah. Or Laud or whatever the hell, however you fucking pronounce it. Dave East came out with an album. Kyrie Ch- Channel, Kyrie something. Nicholas Jar Sirens was good. Not his best work. I missed his best album when I did my five for another year. It was too bad. Uh, before we wrap it up, I think we're done, right? Yeah, we're done. We do. We have to do. Uh, it's be- a fucking long episode. This was a long episode. No, it's just banter. Hopefully, you guys listen to the full thing. Listen to all the banter at the end. Uh, very important. Well, very important. I'm really happy for these guys. Yes. Massimo and Giovanni have been plugging us like crazy. They're starting. They, they've started their own podcast called the Fuel Up Podcast. Anything car related. Uh, if you like cars, if you like, yeah, everything car related. Follow these guys at the Fuel Up Podcast on Instagram. Listen to them. Wherever you listen to us, they're uh, they're they're being pushed by Anchor as well. Uh, if you get a flat tire, slide in their DMs; they'll hook you up. They've been supporting us since day one. We're like, gonna show great. them. They've been yeah the most support possible. And you know what? I like cars. I like cars. I like Lexus. Um, I like uh, Hummers. I like fucking Jeeps. Fuck, get me a Jeep. I want a Jeep. That was 2016, guys. We're going to be back next week with talk on 2017. It'll probably be a shorter episode. Yep, definitely not going to be two hours and five minutes. So please listen till the end. Thanks. Thank you.